Hello and welcome to Cartel Aristocrats Cast number 115. This cast is always sponsored by CoolStuffInc.com, who have partnered with us to give away free $25 gift certificates with free shipping on orders of $100 or more and a sweet $25 or 25% BIOS bonus. CoolStuffInc.com is a store for all of your Magic the Gathering needs. I'm joined this week, of course, with my co-host Jim Caselli of CoolStuffInc.com and Ed Wynn of UnnamedGameshop.com. How are you guys doing? I'm I'm good. Uh, I have a lot of wedding planning stuff going on, putting in the you know the final touches on everything, and also trying to keep up with all the gold cards that are coming out in Ravnica because gold sets are always great. So it's it's a it's a tough balance. I'm uh, I'm trying to keep track of my suit that I is going to buy and uh, getting the final alterations done to make sure it looks nice and fancy for uh, your wedding, Jim. Ed, how are you doing? Great. Great. Well, Ed is in Sweden, and it is currently very late there. Uh, I actually have no idea what time it is in Sweden. Uh, luckily, his Grand Prix didn't get destroyed by a typhoon, so that's good. Um, we had some Guilds of Ravnica stuff that we're going to talk about real fast. Uh, we got a bigger lot literal, which is pretty chill. As Jim said, it's been very hard to keep track of all the gold cards that's been spoiled. But uh, Jim, are there any that catch your eye? that have been spoiled in the last couple of days since we last recorded? Um, so, I mean, in like the casually oriented mindset, I think that Etrada the Silencer is a pretty cool commander. It's weird because it gets shuffled into your deck, but like there's a, there's like this little mini game that you could play where like you can make it not go into your deck by like bouncing it or whatever. Uh, or just play a bunch of tutors to get it back out. So, like, that's a pretty unique commander in terms of what it does. Um, so I think that that's going to be a pretty popular card, especially in foil. Uh, it might not be very good, but it'll be... People will be talking about it, which is important. Um, I think Thousand Year Storm is a card that's going to be, I don't know, probably, like, $20 in, like, five years it's it's not going to be it's probably going to be like close to a bulk rare for a long time and then you know at some point in time they'll make a blue red commander deck that cares about instances of sorceries they won't include this card because why would they do that and then all of a sudden it'll be very expensive this um, card is absolutely bonkers yeah a lot of the mythics in this set so far look like they're good long-term holds uh divine visitation is another one that i'm pretty excited to get i think that that's going to be uh very popular in the future um i don't remember how far back i can go but there's a there's a there's a good amount of cards in this set that are they they might not be good in standard in fact they will probably not be good in standard but they will be worth money in the long term um you know there's a lot of cards right now in return to ravnica that are pretty expensive despite not seeing any competitive play uh we know that chromatic lantern is definitely one of them everyone knows that one's quite expensive but um even like Barbarigmos Enraged is pretty expensive for what it is. Um, so there's there's definitely the ability for some of these cards to be pretty expensive, um, even if they're in this set, even if they're in the most open set of all time. You know, it, just going down the list, you know, Return to Ravnica has Chromatic Lantern, Cyclonic Rift, uh, all the Shocklands, and then Gate Crash has. I thought Barbaringmas was more expensive than I guess it is. Um, still has all those shock lands. It has like 
Boros Charm, which should be a lot of money, but isn't because it keeps getting reprinted. You know, there are definitely cards that they'll probably forget about and that will be very expensive. Yeah, um, the value for this set is starting to shape up to look a lot more like Return of Ravnica than something like Dragon's Maze, which is really good. I hope the third set doesn't uh, stink again, or a second set. Um, but I'm pretty happy with uh, how the value of the set's sh shaping up and that we have stuff like Assassin's Trophy targeted at competitive players and we have a lot more casual stuff that's starting to get spoiled which means that players are going to stay interested in this uh we had like a mythic take an extra turn spoiled today that gives your creatures indestructible permanently um it doesn't fall off at the end of the turn even aaron foresight was was uh, laughing about it on twitter because uh they just had to errata another card um so that's pretty cool ed is there anything that's caught your eye from the new set while you were in uh sweden over the weekend uh nothing seemed to stand out to me in particular there's definitely a lot of like very like you said a lot of uh cards that will probably be expensive down the line just like as good like solid casual cards like thousand year storm is pretty sweet its effect is very unique it's like big dumb splashy right that's like kind of that has like all the makings of like a very very good casual card um like Divine Visitation is also kind of in that same boat, right? That card's like just anointed procession on steroids. Um, so like both of those like are pretty sweet. They're naturally gonna start out very expensive. I don't expect like Starcy has Divine Visitation at uh thirteen dollars right now. Um I don't suspect that the, that card will get like super cheap in the future, mainly because it is a mythic, and I think people are pretty aware that like it's not outside the realm of possibility that this card could also see standard play. Like Anointed Procession did kind of have like a brief stint. Um, and something like this, it does make like, you know, your Legion's Landing like actually of like a perfectly playable card again. Um, and like those are types of things that I'd be looking at right now. Again, it's just kind of finding like little synergies to interact. Like what does a deck look like week one for standard? type thing like what are people trying to cast what like what are people really trying to abuse um etc i haven't like looked super hard i know that there's just kind of been a flurry of spoilers um like today that i haven't seen yet um so i'm not 100 percent up to date on the spoilers but that was just kind of like the like the bigger things i saw this weekend is there anything that you wanted to talk about from this weekend that you noticed on the floor like specifically with price trends uh no it was just kind of like a pretty typical gp um don't go to stockholm the venue is like close to like an hour away from the airport by uh by taxi or by train um yeah that's about it but at least like the venue is right connected to hotel which is nice no could do that very often and the weather here is also nice so you're, you're saying that you had a pretty Swedish time? Uh, sure. That's good to hear. Um, other than Guilds of Ravnica, though, uh, we have you know some stuff to talk about. Uh, and people have been starting to notice this more in online forums. Iconic Masters, as we've talked about in the past, um, the EV is actually getting better and better every week that we record this cast. Um, box prices are starting to go up again. Um, I don't know what Horizon Canopy's 
ceiling is this time. I don't think it'll be 80 to 100 this time, but Ed knows the competitive market better than I do. Um, but rather than talk about iconic masters the entire time, M25 prices are starting to creep back up as well. It's not as fast as iconic masters pricing, uh, but you're seeing stuff like Azusa, Blood Moon. Uh, Jace is relatively stable. Chalice keeps going up. Um, do you guys think that when comparing these two sets, iconic is the better value uh, where you can get boxes at 130 ish right now online with free shipping? Or do you think it's uh, Masters 25 with, um, I, I think it's 120 with free shipping. Uh, for reference, current EV on the mid of Iconic Masters is 150 a box with low coming in at 135. And uh, M25 is 145 mid, but the difference is it's 89 low. So between those two sets, if you were to invest in singles or sealed product, which one would you guys be targeting based off of casual or competitive demand? Um, I'm a fan of Iconic here. I didn't like this is definitely something that we revisit on not necessarily a regular basis. I think like we've it's good to had, touch on. Right, right. I think we've definitely kind of had like a flurry of like different topics that have kind of pushed us in a different direction, right? Like we talked about like reserve lists, like dual lands, et cetera. Uh, like spoilers have been kind of the focus, but this is one of those things where because, you know, like vendors have stopped carrying Iconic and uh, Masters 25 to GPs in large capacity, um, right? Like when Masters first came out, like for like a good solid like two months, vendors basically had like unlimited amounts that you could like buy by the pack uh, for like the impulse shoppers, et cetera. Now like people are bringing like one box, like one box, maybe two boxes at tops uh, to GPs. Um, a lot of singles are definitely drying up. Um, I've definitely, I'm definitely much more of a fan of iconic masters here. Uh, masters 25 has like slightly bigger, splashier cards. Um, like, like what's a big winner? Like Jace Chalice. So there's, those are two main winners at mythic level in, uh, in masters 25. I think ensnaring bridge is not far behind it. Other than that, it falls off pretty hard. Like Imperial recruiter is like a pretty big miss. Like in my mind, Obviously, like Armageddon is like you know pretty miserable to open as a one year mythics. Um, what about Tree? Uh, right, Tree of Redemption is uh is is another big one, but um, iconic just it feels like the value is much flatter. Like sure, like opening Mandrain is like kind of crappy as a mythic, right? But when you're opening things like uh, um, like Avacyn, that's not this here. Avacyn, Elshnor, Archangel, Thune, uh, Shieldred, like those are all fine, uh, like commander-ish cards, right? Most of the mythics come close to allowing you to break even on a booster pack. And then the rares, like you have way more hits, like Horizon Canopy, Aether Vial, uh, Crypto Command, like those are all like pretty big hits, Thoughtseize. Um, and you're more likely to have like a relatively even distribution across your boxes rather than having like Oh, I opened up a Jace. This Masters Twenty Five box was insane. I did open Jace. Like my my Masters Twenty Five box is crap. Um, whereas, like, I can only assume that you know, with like so many like ten dollar plus rares, that your box like it's unlikely that you will open up like you know some mix of like Mandrain Horizon Campy plus like these other expensive cards that will make your box insane. But like with you know somewhat normalized Mythics and like you know a a, a good mix of rares that are like solid staples. Right, your box like probably won't be huge bus. 
Um, Jim, anything you want to add about Iconic versus M25? Um, not really, but I would just like to say, well, not as far as like purchasing uh, boxes is concerned, but if you're a more casual player, like if you play Commander or you just play with your friends or whatever, um, the commons and uncommons in that are not going to get cheaper, so I really wouldn't wait to try to pick some of those things up, like Myriad Landscape and Cultivate and stuff like that is going to creep back up if it doesn't get reprinted again. Uh, one other topic that I wanted to bring up, and I hope Ed is awake enough for this question. Um, as Ed is aware, we don't have Grand Prix for three weeks, two weeks, three weeks. Um, and I was talking with all, with a lot of vendors, and they have a lot of excess stock. Uh, do you see prices coming down over the next two weeks, Ed, as vendors put their stuff online? Or do you think that as people prep for Grand Prix in the next two to three weeks, uh, demand actually goes up and we see prices rise as a whole? Um, because just like talking with several vendors, they're like, yeah, I have six figures of stuff that like I have from Grand Prix. And, uh, I like, I was looking for dual lands as I mentioned last week on the cast and I had vendors reach out to me after hearing it on the cast and saying, Hey, do you want to buy some dual lands? I have a giant stack just sitting here. So you think that we're going to see, uh, for our casual and competitive listeners, prices increase or decrease over the next two or three weeks, uh, keeping in mind that. We're into fall now where people start playing magic more than summer. I don't see prices like swinging in one way or another, like hugely. Um, obviously like the most, um, th- like the cards that will draw the most attention, are, like standard cards, right? Like I, like I sound like a broken record here, but like Ixalan, like Ixalan block, Dominaria, M19, like I expect these to start rebounding, especially, um, just like supply is going to start catching up, right? Like there's like I, I feel like the like Ixalan is. I, I'm not quite sure where the power level of Guilds of Ravnica falls yet, but it feels like Ixalan block cards are probably like among the more powerful cards. Ixalan block and uh, and Dominaria, those will probably kind of form like your course, like like standard decks will probably start out with those cards, and then uh, based on like mana fixing or. Uh, like some of these like guild oriented um, spells or creatures, they'll kind of like fill in the cracks. So I want to say like prices will be relatively stable. Uh, modern season has kind of like ended as it were. There's a modern GP this weekend in Stockholm. Uh, like the US had Detroit last weekend, right? And now the focus is kind of like on the new cards. That's probably where people are going to be like mostly parking their money. It wouldn't surprise me if like, you know, like some of these modern staples. Right, like if you don't have a modern event until I don't even know the schedule, like Atlanta or something, right? I think That's it's next... mid October is the next like so we have SCG Baltimore this weekend, which is modern, but not everyone cares about that. Um and then like the next big event is in October for modern. Right. So it's like I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility that like people just don't want their modern staples right now. It means like they can trade a modern staple towards like standard singles they might want mainly because if people are going to pick up standard, this is kind of the time that people are most excited to be playing standard. Um, so, and, and then like in terms of like, you know, your evergreen like commander cards or whatever, they will always sell their price. Most of them like stay relatively static. You don't really have like ebb and flows with the season, uh, mainly because, you know, EDH commanders are just going to EDH and, you know, soul ring will always be good, right? Like the, all these staples, it doesn't really matter the season and like generally those cards you don't have problems selling anyways yeah 
Jim, anything you want to add? Nope, I think Ed was pretty thorough. I think the big thing with Guilds of Ravnica, as we talked about a little bit last week, Ed, is what's going to happen if demand for Guilds of Ravnica is so high that we get a repeat of Dominaria. Um, so that's definitely going to be something to watch. If uh, the new distribution system can keep up with orders versus the old wizard system. Because this is the first time that it's actually going to be tested. In in large scale, not like with supplementary products. So, I don't know. Like It could be a play again to buy Guilds of Ravnica if you think there's going to be a supply issue. Because if you had bought Dominaria the week it came out, you made a killing when the EV went up. Because no one could get cards. And if Ravnica brings back a lot of players that haven't played for a while, I know Jim's been looking at a lot of stuff. I've been looking at a lot of stuff. You're telling me I can play Omniscience and Standard again? And that we have a, a better Farseek for two or for four that gets two things? Or better Explosive Vegetation? Like I was like, what are you talking about? What, yeah, it's the one that gets you your lands. I know, but you were like, you you changed what cards you were talking about multiple different times. Right. And I got more confused the more times you changed it. I played Omnidor Thragfire last time RTR was a thing. So we have all the pieces but Door to Nothingness this time. And uh, Worldfire, that's not in the set. Uh, no, but we have other fun payoff spells. So it will You're be right. fun. It'll be fun. Um, I don't know, like, I'm debating like maybe putting some money in guilds of Ravnica boxes and like banking on the fact that there's going to be a supply issue. Cause I don't think that they're going to have it right the first time, but that's just my personal opinion. Or maybe wizards was archaic, like other things that they do. And this would be a lot better for everyone, uh, except for small shops that have to pay more for boxes. But I think we're going to get a supply issue again in the first couple of weeks. Um, so we'll just have to see guys like, you know, we, uh, it seems like, like, it seems like it's not something big, but like this could be a giant success or it could be a giant failure and either way, magic players are going to complain. So it's just going to be interesting to see what happens with these cards. Yeah. Yeah. We know, man, water is wet. Magic players <laughs> complain. It's just how it is. Yeah. Yeah. Someone complained that Doug isn't working my event and that edit is, and I was like, yo, you haven't even met him and you're already judging him. So I that's like such a first world problem to complain about. So stuff happens. Uh, Doug, is probably, Doug is probably better about it than me. So Yeah. Uh no comment. I don't think I've actually worked with Ed ever, so uh it'll be interesting to see what happens. I bought cars from you before. I meant like same side of the booth. Yeah, fair. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, you're right, Jim. Magic players will complain about anything. Uh, do we want to get into our credit winner for the week? Uh, I don't know. Did you pick a question? Because I didn't. No, yet. because uh, it has not been uploaded to Cool Stuff, oh. even though it was submitted on time. Because uh, what's his face was on vacation. Oh, well, then let's pick someone from the last last yep, one. That's what I was thinking. Are you are you looking at questions at the moment because I don't have the I don't have the page up yet. Oh, I mean if we're if we're going that far back, I think I went through and actually answered all the questions. So, <laughs> so Ed, wait, Ed actually did that. He sleeps through podcasts, but he answered the questions for once. Oh my god. I'm fairly certain I did, depending on how far back we're going. So, uh the last one that should be up on cool stuff, which should be uh, the third. 
Uh, we did a podcast then. I don't remember what the day of the week we did on that week. This is the website's not loading for me. Uh, let's see here. Work for me. Okay. Well, then you pick one. All right. So it looks like when I'm looking at all of these questions that Ed did not answer a single one. That oh, sounds like Ed. Period. No. Okay. There's a more recent one than that. Yep. All right. You guys want to answer the uh, the taxes one now? Because we, we passed on it last week. No. I still don't know how to answer that other than... Consult a tax professional. Yes, we are not tax professionals. All right. Well, Grant, stop asking us tax questions then. Um, everyone else here has won every single... At, at some point. Uh, well, that's unfortunate. Uh, is let's see. Are we looking at thirteenth? Yep. Ed, oh. pick your favorite question. Uh, oh, I actually just didn't answer any of these. Uh, okay. No, man, we are such professionals. Let me. Yeah, that's you. why we charge for this podcast, and you can support us at Patreon.com/slash/BrainstormBrewery. So. I was wondering where you were going with this. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad you ended where you did. Where our T-shirts always come out perfectly printed, and we have no problems. Uh, yeah. Uh, right. uh, How long wow. does it take Ed to read a dozen questions or whatever? Uh, we've also touched on all these. No, we haven't. Well, there is a. We are we are super lucky because someone sent us an email. Wait, really? Yes, actually. Oh, this is hilarious. All right, let's go with it. All right, I'm going to copy and paste it into the chat because uh, I don't want to read it. But it's from another winner. But this guy is trying the hardest, so he can have another $25 gift certificate to coolstuffinc.com. Uh, bloody hell. Um, Wait, we literally just talked about this. But all right, go for it, Jim. Read the question. I don't want to do that. I just, I mean, literally just put it in the chat so that you could do it. Hello there. I would like to ask a question about the increased pricing on booster boxes for Guilds of Ravnica. I read that prices are going up for vendors and stores for the next set release. What kind of ripple effects? Oh, good. You use the right version of effects will occur from the customers and vendors point of view. Should customers expect the increased costs to be passed on to them? Or will vendors attempt to absorb the increased costs and hurt their margins? Could we also see something happen between the two? Are booster boxes going to be lackluster products for vendors and stores to sell going forward? Thank you all for hosting the weekly podcast. I enjoy your insights about the current MTG card market climate. Landing Crispins. Uh, This is actually, actually, did you want to start? No, Ed, go for it. Uh, So I think the the one part that we didn't address here, actually not really sure. Uh, we didn't address uh, the ripple fra- effect, right? So, in case anyone didn't hear, um, I think two weeks ago, I want to say, like, uh, Wizards is no longer selling uh, products to store directly. So, what this means is that you have to go through distribution channels. Uh, previously, you could call like you could call Wizards and say like, "Hey, I want like some of my booster boxes." It's usually heavily allocated, but you got them cheaper than you did through your distributor. And you could order like some amount from them every week. And this would go fairly far back. 
Like, I think I want to say on the last uh, email, like at the end of August, you could still order Ixalan, I'm pretty sure. I have to look at the email again, but like it goes fairly far back. Um, and you were just able to order, uh, you're just able to order a set amount. Newer stuff was allocated, like Dominary was like heavily allocated. Like you could, you were restricted like two boxes for the first fair amount of time. Um, uh, until Wizards, like just they just had more in. Um, so if you, if we're ordering through our distributors, uh, prices are higher. That being said, it's not clear whether or not, um, how much prices will go up like because like we know msrp on booster boxes is 144 dollars, but i don't like i have a hard time believing that there's like a single listener out there who's ever paid more than like 120 dollars on a box like ever um it wouldn't surprise me if we did start to see boxes trend like towards like probably like at least 100 dollars before taxes uh jeremy i'm not sure what you charge in your store but um, Sorry, what was the question I'm interacting with our live viewers. Um, how much? How much do you charge in your store for boxes? Way too much. More specifically, like one fifteen, and then the closest competition car, car uh, charges one forty, I believe. Is one fifteen pre or post tax? Uh, it is pre tax. Pre tax, okay. And then um, one of the other places we charge ninety five pre tax, and then the other one is a hundred with tax. Okay. At the three different places. Right. Um, I imagine that like paying like hundred dollars for boxes at minimum will probably start to be the norm uh, from here on out. I'm like previously like having worked in a store, I was not a big fan of like a race to the bottom. Um, I'm like surprised that as many people are willing to crush their margins as they are on booster boxes uh, because previously, like if you look on TG Player, uh, um. Jeremy, if you don't mind filling for a tech while I just pull up a... Uh, you can get boxes for $80 shipped with free tracking. And if you use an eBay coupon, you can get them for 76 with free tracking. Basically, ever since uh, Returner Advocate, we've had Darium CCG crush the market on booster boxes. Then we had Rudy, and then we had Sports and More, or whatever it's called. So there's been three players in the last four years that have crushed margins on booster boxes to the point where some shops won't even make money sending out booster boxes. I think we can all agree on that. When you factor in labor and all that, like even if they ship it the cheapest possible way, when you have uh, people that are buying enough boxes to get a discount, uh, Uncle Joe's card shop can't stand in business anymore off of that. And that's why so many shops are switching to the gas station model, which everybody hates, but you, you sell more food, you sell more drinks, uh, at higher margins and that's where more of your money comes from and then um you like charge for people to sit where they're they're playing and all those other stuff to like get some stream of income to keep the shop open and pay your employees uh but at the same time we've also seen shops switch their model to okay we're only we're going to start selling singles online which has really taken off in the last year as reserve list cards have uh, gone up a lot of shops that uh had these reserve list cards sitting in their cases that never sold are now like oh i have thousands of dollars in uh, cards that have been sitting here for 10 years or five years since we've bought these for nothing and no one locally is still going to buy them at these inflated prices so i'm going to go list them online and you're starting to see a lot more brick and mortar shops uh pop up on tcg player and they only have reserveless cards and like even some of my competitors like they've done like obviously i'm not naming names but like i see like 
three or four competitors in Missouri online now that all have like a thousand sales or whatever. And you look through their inventory and it's like all treacheries and sanctums and whatnot. And then like, yeah, that's it. Like they're not like selling anything else. Um, but if you were to go into the shop and try to buy the same card, allegedly from the shop, they would charge you the retail price instead of what they have it for TCG. So like a lot of brick and mortar shops need to catch up especially if they can't make money off of booster boxes because you can only sell so many $4 packs. You can't make all your money selling packs for $4 because if you're doing enough, if you're doing enough sales at $4 a pack to pay for your entire operation, the odds are that you're also being successful in another Avenue of running a shop compared to um, doing magic on the side or like having magic be a smaller part of your portfolio. If that makes sense. I mean, almost no stores make any money off of booster packs. It's always on the resale of singles because the profit margin is so much larger. Right, but there's a lot of shops in Missouri that like their primary income is magic, and that's it. And that's all they do, and it's getting harder and harder for them to stay in the, the scene. Versus a well-blended shop that has everything has a much higher success rate of staying in business longer. If As, go, go ahead. I don't know. Yeah, it's just like I'm sort of rambling, but like I deal with a lot of shop owners in Missouri uh, and you go into their shops and it's like a couple things of Vulture Pro, like two or three board games, one other CCG and like one tabletop and that's it. And like their shop is completely dead five out of the seven days of the week or whatever. And then like it's it has like 20 people at FNM and like casual magic night or modern or whatever they're running. And then you go to successful shops just in my state and it may be different elsewhere. And the successful shops have something every night, whether it's magic or not. And they're not just focused on booster boxes. And Landon's question about this rippling does affect everything. It, it affects these smaller shops that still have to pay labor to sort all these, all these uh, cards. And it makes it harder for them to offload their excess stock um without losing money if they if they get burned and they you know rents due or something they got a thousand bucks to pay uh their electricity bill or whatever and they've got all these boxes that they paid 77 75 dollars on and they try to sell them online for 90 and then everyone else is like look everyone else is selling them for 80 shipped and i'll just go buy from them so i don't know 2018 has been an interesting year so i think ed left at a good point um, I respected what his former employer did. I thought they were very good at what they did. Um, but I think Ed transitioning out of the full-time LGS employee was probably a good move. Uh, so just a number crunch here. Um, I just typed in Guilds of Ravnica. Uh, and like I'm, I'm looking at booster boxes. I have it sorted by price plus shipping. The cheapest option, legit MTG, uh, 50,000 sales. Uh, they're currently the cheapest at $91.16. They have 16 boxes available. Um, Crunch the numbers because they also use TCG Player Pro, so it's an extra 2.5% in fees, question mark? Yes. So on, if we... On top of everything else. Right. So if we assume just like... So it like so they have TCG Player, it's slightly different fee structure, but if we assume just a standard fee structure of Crystal Commerce um, uh, syncing to TCG Player... On ninety-one dollars and ninety-six cents, you're paying um, twelve and a half percent to Crystal Commerce, and then two point five percent to PayPal uh, processing fees. So you're you're shaving fifteen percent off of that, which is uh, 
nine. That's like you're paying like thirteen dollars ish in fees, and then uh, they provide free shipping. And the cheapest way to ship a booster box is in a uh, flat rate envelope. It costs five dollars and ninety five cents to ship. So you're basically netting like about seventy, like two to seventy three dollars a box, which, to my understanding, is far below any negative sort of negative five dollars. What's that? Negative five dollars. Yeah, so that's like far below the like the cost through any distribution channel that I'm aware of. Um, like the secret's pretty well out of the bag. Like most stores are paying like seventy eight dollars per box. Once you factor in like you have to pay for shipping or whatever, your cost is like close to eighty dollars a box. Uh, so for every one of these they're selling, they're basically losing like probably like like eight dollars a box realistically, and that's not factoring in the fact that you have to. Um, right, like people are moving these boxes around, people are listing them, people are like preparing to ship them, etc. Um, and I feel like the fact that it's a race to the bottom, like I wouldn't be surprised if in another few days, like we actually see our first boxes like right at $90 as people just put these online and continue to lower them. So, yep. um, you nailed it, and uh, that's before any hype increases or decreases the amount of supply online. and. I'm, you know, it makes complete sense that LGS is, and that's, that's, you know, 50,000 plus sales. That's someone that knows how to operate a business correctly. If you have like two extra cases in your closet in the shop or whatever, and you know, you're like mailing them through priority. Cause you're like, Oh, that, you know, this booster box fits in a priority medium flat. Like I'll just put it in there and like your costs go crazy after a while. So even the people that are doing it completely correctly, the most efficiently and they're the best in the business at doing it, they're still losing money. And that's just to get people to come back to them or like buy more than one or it's a loss leader. But for the small game shop that has sort of held a monopoly in the area for this entire time, it's real bad. You know, you got burned on M25, you got burned on Iconic Masters. Um, Dominaria helps you out a little bit. Jason's Spellbook was probably a flop in your area. So it, it's- Core been- 19 was a little rough. Yeah, Core 19 was a little rough. Uh, so it's, it's getting harder and harder. And, you know, for a lot of people in the industry, you know, you're looking at Black Friday as a way to make or break and Guilds of Ravnica, and that's it. That's what you got. You got two more shots towards the end of the year to get uh, your stuff in order. So, yeah, good job on leaving, Ed. <laughs> uh, but, uh, Landon, it's a very good question. Jim, is there anything you want to add to this? Uh, if you want to win next week, so no, uh, I, he doesn't. No, what? I'm adding things to the to the to the question. Okay, I gotta tell people every week how to win, so that they can ask us on Twitter how to win. On Twitter, every week, every week. So uh, Robert is back in the office today, or this week, I should say. So our podcast will go up uh, at the regular scheduled uh, point in time, but. If you'd like to win next week, please leave a question on the gathering or sorry, well, the coolstuffinc.com page for our podcast. Uh, or you can send an email to cartelaristocrats at gmail.com. Uh, Landon, uh, I will send you your gift code. You don't have to send me an email because you've already sent me an email. So congratulations. And uh, now I think we should do pick of the week. All right. Well, it's almost two in the morning, Ed. Uh, the early bird gets the worm where you are. So, what's your pick of the week? Um, <clears throat> I like I touched on it earlier. Um, 
divine what was the name of the card uh divine visitation it creates like some interesting um new strategies uh so previously like the card like legion's landing it went from being like possibly a real player in standard to oh this card just like gets completely destroyed by goblin chain Whirler to this is a potentially out against it so i think like legion's landing is not a bad card right like obviously if you have this card plus legion's landing right like that you're just gonna completely crush the late game you're just like spitting you're like three man spits out a four four every turn um with two fairly difficult ways to deal with them, right? One is a land and one is an enchantment. Most decks probably aren't going to be able to beat that uh, if that gets going. Um, similarly, I also think the um, Ajani uh, Adversary of Tyrants is interesting. Um, it provides both like a very... There's two parts to it that is very impressive. The first part is like put plus one plus one counter on... Uh, each of up to two target creatures. If we have go wide strategies, um, it be, like it becomes pretty appealing. Uh, so that part just like if we're like an aggressive or mid range deck, like it it does pretty well. And then uh, if you're trying to play like a longer game, uh, the minus two to return creatures from your graveyard to um, your graveyard to play like that like that just allows you to kind of outgrind your opponents. Um, I think like at four mana, it's like reasonably priced. It's not like the mana like double white is a little awkward, but in theory, mana should be way better in this set. Um, so like I think those two cards like they probably would play in the same deck as well if we do see some sort of token strategy. Um, like that's kind of like like one relatively simple synergy that does pop out to me. It, like is it good, like is there enough to form a deck? I'm not sure, but like. I don't think like a Johnny as a planeswalker is like a bad place to be. Like it's bottomed out. I think it started out at like twelve dollars pre order. Now it's it was down fifteen mid, and now it's down to nine, eight to nine. I want to say TCG law would yeah. be my guess. Yeah, cheapest copies you probably buy for like eight eight after shipping or something. So like thirty dollars to get a planeswalker as a four of, which I feel like this one could be a four of. Probably not the worst thing to gamble on. So my I have also have like two cards that I'm looking at especially um, this week is another green planeswalker I think that Vivian Reed is the kind of card that will be under the radar for now it's very versatile it can do a lot of different things it can kill you know artifacts enchantments it can draw you cards it's good in a lot of different matchups uh, the Golgari decks tend to be very grindy and this is the kind of deck the kind of card that will also fit into that deck um, and. If you watched uh, Star City last week, did like a live stream where their pros played some Return to Ravnica or Guilds of Ravnica standard decks, and Brad Nelson was playing both Vraska, Relic Seeker, and Vivian Reed in his deck. Um, and that guy's pretty good at standard, so I'd, I'd be inclined to believe that what he's doing is good, uh, at least for now. Uh, and the other card I'm looking at is Reiterate. It's a card that people forget about a lot, and it's part of a lot of infinite combos in uh, Commander decks, especially. It's good in spell-heavy decks because it's a fork that you can rebuy. So with this spoiling of uh, the Red-Blue Mythic that basically makes everything have Storm, Reiterate plus, a, plus basically almost any ritual spell 
uh, will give you infinite mana, and it only takes a couple people to latch onto that idea before they get bought out. Commander players are much slower than usual than than standard or modern players to like get on the hype wagon and, and get cards uh, before they're released. Uh, so you should probably still have some time to pick up some copies if you want them for personal play or if you want to invest in the future. Uh, because the card has buyback, it's pretty hard to reprint it. So I would be pretty surprised to see it outside of a master set, which they haven't even announced the next one yet. A card I'm monitoring is Thoughtseize from Iconic Masters. This is a card that always has easy to move uh customers overseas if you know the right people um recently the buy prices on this card have dropped by a couple of dollars and the card has uh gone down about 50 cents over the last month um i don't know why vendors are dropping uh thought sees buy prices so much you know i honestly don't play modern so i don't know what the heck's going on there but i do know something about modern and that leads into my pick of the week we got surveil as a mechanic and graveyard interactions uh, as like a Golgari thing. And Grim Flayer was $15 last year when uh, rock decks were uh, in standard. It had a, and like not even in standard, just based off of eternal play, it was a $15 card. It went down to seven and it's starting to slowly tick back up as people experiment with Assassin's Trophy and uh, modern. So that's just something I would keep an eye on. Um, this is a card that fell out of favor, but in the right meta, this could easily be a, a free 30 or 40% increase um so I, I would advocate trading for them i think that if it doesn't find a place i would not recommend buying any right now like there's different kinds of picks of the week and this one i'm not confident enough to put any of my own money into it but it's something that if i see them uh in a trade binder i'll express more interest in that card than something else so that's my pick of the week where can people find you guys because ed finally gets to go on a vacation back home Yes, like this is nine consecutive weeks on the row. I am like completely dead. Like I've barely slept in like three days. I'm ready to go home. Um, then my next event will actually be, uh, I will be at New York City Comic Con on Thursday. And then Friday, I will actually be flying out to St. Louis uh, to hang out with Jeremy. And you haven't provided the week. You're just saying, uh, yo, I'm in New York. Uh, I believe the... Th- Thursday is uh, or October 3rd. Yep. Jeremy's event is the 4th and the 5th. It's the 6th. Oh, okay. The 6th. <laughs> so the 5th and the 6th is when I'll be in St. Louis. The 4th yep. is uh, when I'll be in New York City Comic Con. Um, and uh, I'm at Edwin13 on Twitter. I think that's all I have. Yeah, I think that's everything. I, I can't even think anymore. I, I'm I'm ready to go to bed. And All right, you go, you go fast enough. Up. Yeah. Uh, my name is Jim Kasai. You can find me on Twitter at phrst underscore. You can find my articles uh, usually every other week on coolstuffinc.com. I'm Jeremy. You can find me on Twitter at MazuraMTG. For once, I will be at an event that Ed is not going to, which makes no sense. I will be at SCG Baltimore this weekend. Um, I'm bringing a heck of a lot of modern stuff to get rid of. And I want legacy cards. So if any viewers see me uh, trade straight across, I don't care about getting kicked out of Star City. So we'll just trade straight across. Uh, but uh, I'll be around to play Vintage too, I think. Just don't rob me. Um, 
And then I'm off to Manhattan on Monday. I know I'm meeting up with at least two listeners, not JR, sadly. Um, and uh, yeah, so I'll be in Baltimore and then Manhattan this weekend. Um, but that's it. You can find us on Twitter at Cartel fi- Finance. Yeah, Cartel underscore Finance, I think. You can find us on YouTube at Cartel Aristocrats. You can find us on SoundCloud, on iTunes, on mtgcast.com. And of course, with our sponsors, CoolStuffInc.com. Thank you guys as always for listening and contributing to our Patreon. We sit, we uh, very much appreciate it. And as always, we will see you guys a little later next week. Have a good one.